of you know that we are starting Austin Christian University and joining me for the next few moments to take some time to just talk about our future of Austin Christian University. Why don't you welcome the president of Austin Christian University, Connor Champion. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're so excited for what's been happening and I know that there's there's been a little gap between the last time that we talked in January to now and we cannot be more excited about what's been happening. Really, it's been a God thing. And if you know a little bit of the story of celebration, you know that in 1942 that God gave us this property for not only a church, but for a university. And in that prophecy, he said that the nations will come and will be sent out from this property. And, and we believe that the next iteration of, of that is this school. So the rest of the land that you see, you may be wondering, what are we going to do with that land? It is for this school. And whenever we talk about Austin Christian University, this is not just your traditional, you know, ministry seminary school. Really, we're equipping the next generation of business leaders to not only go into their workplace and be successful, but to be equipped to answer the hard questions. So we're training them with apologetics. We're training them to have a biblical worldview in everything that they do. And if you're a business leader in here, whether that's a small business or a large business, or, and in some of the people that are going to be teaching here, you know, executives at uh, some of the largest corporations in the world, they're looking for talent and, and not just any talent, but talent that's going to really bring Christ into their workplace. And so um, if you've been a part of Endeavor, you know that that's our heart as a church. And just a few updates, you know, really since that January time, uh, we became the first university partnership with Dave Ramsey. So we're really excited about that. Um, we applied for accreditation officially on May 15th. So that means that we built out the entire bachelor's program for, for our school. Uh, that's a huge deal. And, and really that will probably, I'm looking at our, our provost, Dr. Brent. Um, that's going to be a three to four year process. And uh, we're really excited. So that first class of freshmen are going to be able to graduate with a fully accredited degree. Um, and we have a partnership with Southeastern University where you can get that fully accredited degree in the meantime and you can get both of those bachelor's degrees. Um, we're officially partnered with the apartment complex right here at Chapel Hill, which we're so excited about. Yeah. The Bible says that you will inherit houses that you did not have to build. And the word there in Hebrew is apartment complexes in Jesus' name. Yeah. I, like yeah. I don't know where it is. No, but we're I praying like them it. out. Yeah. If they're not saved, if they don't get saved, and actually we're meeting every week, we're meeting people that are coming from Chapel Hill Complex, walking to church because we don't have a cut through yet, but we're going to pray that every one of those apartment complex dwellers will come to Celebration yeah. Church, and then after they get saved, then we're going to take over their apartment and fill it with the university yes. students. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I do like too. Yeah. So... Um, another thing that we've done, we're over halfway full with this first class, and we have over 100 in the pipeline that we're still working through. And um, again, I, I couldn't be more excited for what, what we're doing. This is really for the student that would be going to the University of Texas or Texas A&M and is a really high-level student. We talk about this is, this is for the extraordinary student looking for an extraordinary experience. And how we compete with them is we have people like yourselves that are 
coming in and teaching our students and uh, really from the top companies in the world because Austin has that. And um, we're, we're, we're excited. Yeah, so actually a report that Austin now broke into the top 10 largest cities in America. Did you guys see that this week? Some of you are like, oh, shoot. And, uh, but I do believe that we are, and I do believe in this phrase, and it's true. What happens here changes the world. And famous universities use that phrase yeah. and that slogan. But what we are hearing from leaders all over the world is that we find graduates from the major universities with, with wonderful degrees from wonderful colleges and universities, but they do not have a biblical worldview. And they're coming in with these degrees, business degrees, and all sorts of various academic uh, insight, but they don't have spiritual insight for a, such a time as this moment. And I think all of us know America has turned, and America is where it is today, because we have lost the education. And we've lost it not only in the, in the elementary and middle school and high school, but we've lost it in the universities. And instead of putting out men and women who know God, or obviously they're not all birthed for that reason, but there's more talking the faith out of those students than maybe education being put into those students. And I'll add to that. This is the fourth revolution. People are saying this is the fourth revolution of education in America today. And, and really what that means is, is morality is being taught just as much as the academics are being taught. And so academics and, and the university realm is taking in students and really squeezing out the Christianity out of them because they say that it's not inclusive. And uh, I, I believe and I know that we're going to change the narrative. What can they do from here, Connor? Yeah, you can visit our website, austinchristianuniversity.org, or you can meet us at the booth in the concourse, and then we have a preview day today at 1. So if you have a student or if you are a student, maybe you're just interested, come to our preview day at 1, learn more about the school, and uh, hear from our team, our faculty, and then get a tour. So I'm asked all the time, and you reference this, what do we see for the remaining portion of our property as we have a wonderful piece of property at the corner of Westinghouse Road in Rabbit Hill. I love that name, Rabbit Hill. And at that corner, that is where we will put our flagship building that will highlight Austin Christian University, facing Austin, facing Westinghouse Road. And then we begin to also see, and we're already in talks and in plans with architects and with builders concerning our own full-time housing here on the property, as well as continuing to retrofit what was our very first buildings and offices. All of that will become part of Austin Christian University with the construction of new offices for our staff here at the church. We really do believe that we have to be in the educational space at a higher education, but we're also praying about what God would have celebration do when it comes to the elementary and for the high school because we do know and it is on a daily basis that we are beginning to unpeel or if we will unpack what really is going on in the schools of today's students and if we do not take that back we are never going to see our children walk with God to the degree that they're called to yeah. walk with God so that is something that you need to be praying with us about and I will say this we don't lack vision we have much vision, not just for our university, but for the future of a school here at Celebration Church like we have 
in Mozambique and Dr. Brent Schultz here today who went and began to expand and did what he and his wife have been doing for these last years and now they're home and now he's the provost of our university. In fact, Dr. Shaw, would you stand to your feet right yeah. here? This is Dr. Shaw, our provost. Yeah. The good news is we have vision. The good news is we have all the money that we need. The bad news is it's still in your pocket. <laughs> and this is the moment where I like to say, turn to the pocket next to you and give like you would love to give, full of faith in the name of Jesus. But it really will come down to God bringing the resources. We have the vision, you have the speed to the vision. Vision is not going anywhere unless we have the ability to enact that vision, which is the resources. And that's the resources of God's people giving, supplying, which brings the speed of the vision. How bad do we need a move of God in America? I don't think we have time. In fact, we're out of time. This is such a time as this for a moment. And I just ask you to pray and ask you, to, how would you partner? How would you like to give? And we're seeing supernaturally, Connor, people who are just moving into Austin, just moving into to this realm and, if you will, this, this area, connecting to Celebration Church, connecting to the university. I had a gentleman and his wife who have been blessed, successful in their business, moved here because of children that live in this area, came to Celebration Church, got plugged in, came to... 101, or as we call them, our connect and all of the various things to step into. And then they said, Pastor Joe, we'd like to write a check. And they wrote a check for $250,000 to help us plant campuses and to plant more expressions of the kingdom of God through Celebration Church. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing God for. And it's not the $250,000 checks. It's the $250 checks. It's all of us playing our part. Yeah. It's not equal in the sense of how much money we give, but it does require equal sacrifice. So, Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do in this university in the days ahead. God, just continue to fill us with wisdom, fill us with insight, so that we know how to lead your great people and how to raise up the next generation of leaders for this country and for the world. Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... One more time, Connor Champion, President. Awesome. Well, I do want to welcome those that are joining online from one of our campuses and, of course, maybe one of the 13 correctional facilities here in the Austin area and then our online church. It's great to be with you guys. Celebration Church, one more time. Let's say hello to everybody that's joining us today. Before I show you pictures and go into our series that we've been in, which we have called Reconstruction, answering the issues of what we call deconstruction in today's world. I almost didn't see the birth of this baby. I almost did not make it to Washington, D.C. And here's the story. Be merciful and take any stones that you may have out of your hand and drop them like it's hot. So Lori and I leave even before the end of Radiant Conference so that we could catch a flight to Washington through Houston by way of Southwest Airlines. You know where I'm about to go. 
And we do not know if she's going to go into labor in any moment. We don't know what is about to happen. We had thoughts that it probably won't happen until Monday or Tuesday. But we are urgent to get there. And so we get there to the airport here in Austin. Everything is wonderful. The weather is clear. And then we get on the plane. And then the pilot says, we're going to wait for passengers from San Jose. So we can help these San Jose passengers make it to their destination. It'll be about an hour. Well, we wait for an hour. And beautifully, here comes the San Jose passengers. We're so happy that they're joining this flight. (laughs) As we're trying to get to D.C. before the baby's born. And as we now are late leaving, we arrive into Houston to make the connection. And they say at the gate, run to the gate where you're going to catch your connection to Washington. There's eight passengers. We begin to run. We get to the gate to catch our connection to Washington, D.C. to see the birth of the baby. As the plane is there, the gate agent says, we have released your tickets. And we are going to give you a voucher (laughs) for your next flight, wherever you want to go. And here's $200 to help you with your hotel accommodations. I said, so you knew we were coming. Their gate agent called and said, we're off the plane and we're running to catch it. She goes, I know. If you work for Southwest, I love you. I am not attacking you. Or your career. This is where it got interesting. So I said, you knew we were on that plane. You knew that we had come off that plane. We're running because your gate agent had called the other gate agent. And there's the plane. It's right there. And then you still released our tickets. You, you held us up for San Jose passengers. Where are my California people at? <laughs> Suman, I see you over there. I said, we waited for California. But then you dropped us Texans. And now we may miss the birth of our baby. This is terrible. The gate agent's name was Judy. Judy says this. That's violent. And I'll be right back. I went, oh, no. I'm about to be banned from not just this flight but from all future Southwest Airlines flight. Now, let me say something before I finish the story. Judy sees me slam my hand on the table, and I said, that's terrible. But you see, I had said to Judy before I said anything, Judy, this is not your fault. I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. This is out of your hands. I understand this is Southwest analytics or analog, and it's the computers, so this is not on you, and please, I... I apologize in advance if I slam my hand on this table. (laughs) So now Judy is going to go and tell on me. (laughs) And she does. And here comes the manager. I understand that you violently approached Judy. I said, Judy? (laughs) It's just like this. You can ask Lori. Judy, how did I start our conversation? Did I say, Judy, this is not your fault? Judy, I'm not mad at you. I love you, Judy. (laughs) My grandmother's name is Judy. I think that you're a most wonderful person I've ever met in my life. Judy, did I start the conversation like this? She goes, you really did. And then I could see the manager going, we don't have a problem here. But I thought we had a problem here for a moment. And I said, but 
I want to go to D.C. And they go, we're sorry, Mr. Champion. Here's your voucher. And here is an overnight stay at the Red Roof Inn right here at Hobby Airport. <laughs> Have you stayed at that part of the airport before? Anyway, we made it. We made it the next morning. And this is some of the fruit of our labor and our suffering in Jesus' name. Here's, first of all, the couple of pictures. Let me tell you, this is the little girl. This is her. This is May Claire Monroe. Got another one. And there she is holding and being held by Lori. Next picture, I think we've got some. Of course, this is Mason, our son, who works for Senator Barrasso on the hill there with Senator out of Wyoming. And that is Grandma Lori. We call each other. She's Lolo. I'm Jojo. So that's J-Lo. The next picture, <laughs> we have one more. This is the family. Of course, there's Caroline. She probably will kill me showing that picture. And then as I'm leaving, I had to get one picture with myself. But there will be not a fullness of this whole. This is Saeed, my Uber driver. I just wanted to introduce you. <laughs> His name is Saeed from Iran. He has a PhD in chemistry. And I said, Saeed, you are now a part of the journey. You're now a part of the story. And I want you to go find Judy at Southwest Airlines. <laughs> well, let me just show you one more picture. I'll just show you one more picture. We just have one more quick picture that I want to show. No, we're not going to show that picture. <laughs> well, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. I thank you that you're the God of mercy and you cover my sins, Lord, that you, you, gave, you gave grace to me through that manager of Southwest Airlines Terminal and Judy. I bless her in Jesus' name. It's out of their hands. I, I pray, God, for your judgment upon Southwest Airlines, but I, not upon the people. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would give us, Lord, a word from you today. We need to hear from you. We need your word. For God, man cannot live by the bread of this world, but he lives by the bread of God, the bread of life, your word. Feed us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, First Samuel chapter 17. And we have been in a series that we have entitled Reconstruction in light of what we're hearing in today's world, what we call deconstruction. There's many people deconstructing from their faith. And there's some things that I, I'm not opposed to when we use that word deconstruction. There's some things I'm not opposed to saying we need to deconstruct. There are some things that need to be destroyed. There are some things that need to be taken down. There are some things that need to be adjusted when it comes to the church, when it, when it comes to the way church in that context might be presented to the people. I, I think at times, even in how we do our world, which is, I think, appropriate, but if we're not careful, what you see on this platform, what you see on this stage takes precedence over the Bible. It takes precedence over the, over the presence of God. And, and there are churches that think that the church is more built around what we call a platform more than a pulpit. And if the church is ever platform-driven and not pulpit-driven, then that church or that style of church, instead of, instead of speaking to the age and speaking to the world from heaven, they speak from the age 
and from the world, thus bringing no change to the world. When the church began, it started on and around the pulpit. Peter standing out from among the rest and began to declare in Acts chapter 2 the gospel, the word of God. That was at a pulpit, if you will, the proverbial pulpit. That was the word of God. He did not take his beginning of his message from a movie or from a book or from the news. He took his beginning message from the scriptures. So when we as a church, and this is where I think churches do need to deconstruct, when we just basically make church and we have church to become more like what I would call an hour to an hour and 15 and for sometimes an hour and 20, sometimes an hour and 25, but sometimes church just becomes, it's not a service, it's just a devotional. And it just becomes a little devotional. There are churches that pride themselves on how fast they can get the people out. There are churches that I do know of, 30-minute services, so that that membership can get to their tea time. And I'm for tea times. I'm a golfer. I'll be watching the PGA today. But if we begin to put and invest our lives more into the things of this world than the Word of God, and into the fellowship and the community of God, Why would we expect God to pour out his blessing when all we want is a quick meal with him? In other words, the goal of church is just to get out as fast as possible. And of course, I am very aware that we do live in times. In fact, there is a scripture that tells us that we do have to take consideration of time. Hebrews, and I believe Paul wrote it, said, time would fail me to speak of other people. I was reading that one day. Even Paul in Hebrews 11 said, Time runs out, Joe. Let the people go home. I do believe that there are things that we need to deconstruct in today's church world. We also, though, have people deconstructing from Christ and from the Bible. But I also do know that there are some images and some pictures of Christ that there needs to be some deconstructing. That instead of Jesus being Lord and Savior, instead of Jesus being who he was when he came to this world... Of course, our shepherd, our, our lamb who came to take away the sins of the world, we have used Jesus to be more like a genie in the bottle and that if you rub him the right way and speak to him the right way, you're going to get your wishes granted. I do believe that needs to be deconstructed. I do believe that we need to hear what Paul heard when he first encountered Jesus in Acts chapter 9. And the Bible tells us that from the very beginning, Jesus told Saul, who became Paul, you're going to suffer greatly for the cause of the gospel. He started off with suffering. He started off with, it's going to cost you everything to be my disciple. I think that many people come to Christ so that they could add Christ to their calendar, add Christ to their array of life. And that's not how God came He said, if any man wishes to follow me, he must what? Take up his cross. He must lay his life down to be my follower. He said to the rich young ruler who wanted eternal life, Jesus said, you still lack. Though you're trying to keep the commandments, that is never going to be enough. And he goes, you still lack one thing. Go home 
and let go of your life. And of course, he had many possessions. And that's not what he said every time. But to this particular man, he said to him, now go home and let go of your possessions. And the Bible says he turned away sad. He turned away grieve, for he had much possessions. You don't find Jesus going, you know what, let's just cut a deal. I want you to be in heaven, and I'll cut a deal. I'll make whatever I have to make happen so that you will go to heaven and not hell. You don't find Jesus chasing after the rich young ruler. He will never begin to cheapen, if you will, the means by which to fulfill an end. Yes, God wants all people saved. He wants none to perish. That's the end. That's the goal. But he will never change the means by which you come to eternal life. And so I do believe that there's a lot that needs to be deconstructed. But today I want to go into this story that is, of course, a famous story of, of David and Goliath. But there's something that happens between, between David meeting his Goliath. There, there's a man that he meets and there's a, there's a, a, a moment that he's going to have to face before he takes down the Goliath. And, and I will say to every single one of you, and of course our graduates as well, the, the reality is, is that what stands between you and your God purpose, your God goal, your, your God desire, your God reason for being on this planet is going to be the same thing that David had to face. I, I say it like this. There's a, there's a bigger giant than Goliath that will stand before you. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it says, when all the men of Israel saw the man, now notice, when all saw, when all of Israel saw the man. Who is the man that they're talking about here? Goliath. There are various theological differences between how big Goliath was. There are some that differ because they don't have it in original context. There's some liberty that some theologians will say others took. And so he's as big as nine foot nine and he is short as six foot nine. But I will say, based on the time frame of when this happens, he's still a giant. And when all the men, it says all the men, but when they all saw, they fled from him and were what? Greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. It's interesting that on the heels of being afraid, on the heels of running away, they also knew that there was a great promise connected to it. In other words, they knew the promise or they knew the reward. They knew what would be given to the man who would take down this Goliath, but yet they would not hold on to that promise or on to that reward or on to that blessing for fear would just drive them away from it, even though they knew it. It's interesting. We're running, but we know we're running also away from a reward. We're running away from, from a blessing. And then it says, then David spoke to the men. Then David delivering pizza. The first pizza delivery boy in the Bible is David. Because David was told by his father, go and bring this pizza. Literally, it says, these 10 breads and cheeses. Bread and cheese is pizza. <laughs> Literally, that's what the Bible says. 
If you're a pizza delivery or, or an Uber driver, Uber eats, it's hard to say, you are in the Bible. That's a biblical life. So David is bringing 10 breads and 10 cheeses. He's delivering the pizza. That's why the, the Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. Sometimes that pizza delivery job will put you in places that were fit for kings. That's why just get a job. God never uses people who are lazy. He never calls people. Scripturally, you'll never find people who are lazy or unemployed wanting to do nothing. He never calls them to be his disciples. He calls employed people, moving people. And don't say, well, I'm waiting on my dream job. No, pizza will deliver you into your dreams. Working in the oil field will deliver you into your dreams. Working at the Belmont Hotel in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a sketchy, so such a sketchy hotel, it is now torn down. I will tell you, it delivers you into your dream. When you hate what you're doing, I was a Coca-Cola delivery boy. I was a Coca-Cola salesman. I sold cars at Oldsmobile, Mazda for Royal Oldsmobile. I hated it. I hated working in the oil field. I hated driving a tractor in the middle of a hot Louisiana summer. But that's what God uses to bring you where you're supposed to be. Don't despise it. Don't despise the mundane. Don't despise the ordinary. Don't despise the average. Don't despise the boring. Love it. Don't despise just reading the Bible. I don't want to read the Bible. You will go nowhere. So David is going to go before Goliath because he's doing a good thing. He's working. He's laboring. And as he comes and he hears these stories, he hears... And he sees the fear of all the people of Israel. And David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Now notice what David said. Who will kill the man? Who will kill the Goliath standing here and take away the reproach? See, David is not just after Goliath. David is after what Goliath represents. Goliath's name has a Hebrew connection to it, means perversion, dysfunctional, it's perverted, it's ungodly, it's wicked, it's evil, it's counter to everything of God. It is totally unscriptural. Why? He's an uncircumcised Philistine, which means that would be a kind of people. The Philistines were a nomadic kind of people. They were wanderers. They were people by nature of war. They were not native to the promised land. They didn't belong in the promised land. They were scavengers. They were called uncircumcised, which means in a type and a picture, they, they were uncrucified people. They were people in the raw, people in the flesh without the cross or without God. See, this is why if you and I are not careful, this is why Jesus said, if any man does not pick up his what? His cross. If any man is not crucified, if he's not circumcised in his heart, he can't be a follower of me because that requires death. 
These Philistines, the Philistines as a nation, whenever you read the word Philistine in the Old Testament, what you're finding is the chief primary enemy of God. But what did they want? They wanted God. They wanted his power. They wanted his authority. They wanted his wisdom. They wanted the secrets. Who was it that tried to get the secrets out of Samson? It was the Philistine. They wanted the secret of his power. Because they knew that God was God. They knew that the power was with God. They knew that all authority belonged to God. They knew where this world came from. It came from God. They knew it was from God. And what they wanted to do was to take God and dethrone God so that they could have their gods above God. This is the Philistines. That's why David calls it a reproach. That's why David said there's a stain that comes with Goliath. It's a shadow. Because it veils God's glory. It veils God's mind. It veils God's people from God's will, from God's heart, from God's desires, from God's power, from God's movement. This is why when David shows up, he goes, why are you running from this Goliath who is veiling you from God? Why are you afraid of this Goliath, though he may be from six foot six to six foot nine to nine foot nine? I don't care if he's 19 feet. He brings a stain. He brings a reproach. He brings judgment. For wherever a Philistine goes and has power, there will be judgment. There will be death. And David's standing there with his pizza box. Saying, where's my tip? To his loser brothers. And they were losers. They hated David. They hated David. They hated David from the day he was born. You know why? He was the youngest of the brothers. I'm the baby. I know what that feels like. I love my brothers. But they've hated me most of my life. (laughs) But the more you're hated, the more you're blessed. Go on and hate me. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. But that marks you. That puts my hand upon you. And of course, I'm making light of my brothers. And their eyes have been opened to the gospel. But the truth is, as you've got David going, this is a reproach. What did David know? As David knew that this was a reproach, he goes on to say, he goes, I'm going to take that reward. I'm going to get that gift from the king. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. It's amazing how everybody knew the promise, but nobody would walk out the power. Everybody knew that there was the promise, if you will. Let's just bring it into our context. You know that there's eternal life in Christ Jesus, yet you won't walk with him. I don't understand that. You believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yet when you're confronted with a Goliath, when you're confronted with temptation, 
When you're confronted with a shadow or a taunt, a reproach, a veil that you know what you're about to do is going to disconnect you from the ultimate purpose that God has for you, not in the sense that it brings you to hell, but for those that are believers, you know that it's going to disrupt God's frequency in your life. Why don't you go for it? Why do you run? Why do you hide? Knowing all of these promises. Why aren't you aggressive? Why aren't you running to the giant? Instead of from the giant. First Chronicles tells us the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen were at their command. I want you to notice the sons, the spirit of the sons of Issachar. This is what we need today. The Bible says they understood the times and they had what? They had knowledge as to what to do. So I want to jump forward for the sake of time and not turn this into a, an eternal word. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's go a little bit further. Verse 31. So when the words of David, what were the words of David? I'm going to attack this Goliath. But it's not just Goliath. I'm not going to let this shadow, I'm not going to let this stain, I'm not going to let this life come into the life of God's people. I'm not going to let this stain of this shadow come into my life. You know, the Bible says, he who names the name of the Lord, let him what? Abstain from evil. No one will see the Lord without holiness. That's not Old Testament. That's New Testament. I think from a commentary side, when I see not just our people, but when I look at people's Instagrams, Twitters, or any other kind of social media, I almost hate to look at it. I'm going to tell you why. People show their Goliath dark side. And it's amazing how on one Sunday they can be holding their Bible, and then another Sunday they're in some kind of compromising place, and then some kind of compromising position and it shows a stain on them. The Bible says, live your life in such a way that you're above reproach. When I put my hand on that table in front of my sister Judy, I blew it. I blew it. I was grieved because I knew that was the flesh. And then I began to look around who is from Celebration Church on this same flight. <laughs> and though I know in the natural a baby being born takes precedence over staying at the Red Roof Inn in Hobby Airport land, but that's still natural. Supernatural says, God, I trust you. Supernatural doesn't manifest on Judy or at Cracker Barrel or any other way our place, when you don't get what you want. In that moment, I was not above reproach. And that's part of why I like to preach, because I have an opportunity to say, Joe's an alcoholic, and so are we. The truth is, when we confess our sins, and when we are willing to say it transparently, God help me, 
Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about today? Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure. I see a few guys, Tom and a couple. You don't need to ask for forgiveness, but I know I do. So David, he now is speaking what he's about to do. And when these words of David were told to King Saul, the Bible says Saul sent for David. And David said to Saul, to the king. Now remember, he's just a pizza delivery boy working for Domino's or Papa John's. But the king says to the delivery boy, hearing these words, as David says, listen, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant's going to go and fight with the Philistine. And then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he arose up against me, I seized him by the beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant has killed lions and bears and tigers. Oh my. And this uncircumcised Philistine is next. He's going to be just like the last piece of lion meat I had. Since he has taunted the living God, the armies of God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. The Lord who delivered me. David was saying, I'm not delivered by my weapons. I'm not delivered by my hands. I'm delivered by the Lord. The Lord who worked for me. The, world, the Lord who provided miracles for me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, well, go and may the Lord be with you. But I want you to know you're going to need this. And then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head. And he clothed him with armor. And then David girded his sword over his armor. And he began to try to walk in this. So Saul says to David, okay, if you're going to go, I want to deconstruct you from this God thing that you have on your life. That is no longer on my life. See, if anybody should have been fighting the Philistine, it was Saul. Saul was anointed. Saul had been picked. Saul had been chosen. Saul was a king. But he had grieved God. And now, he is hiding. He's part of the problem. And interestingly, he says, well, because now he's thinking natural. He's not thinking supernatural. See, the God talk is not what Saul wants to... God, listen... When you're not right with God, you don't want to be around people who are right with God. When you're around people who are walking with God and you're not right with God, and what I mean by that is you know you're in rebellion, you know you're not right, you know you're in something that God has been telling you not to be a part of, the last thing you want to be is with people who are like, hey, praise the Lord, God's good. And I'm not talking about arrogant, aggravating Christians. I've been around people like that. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Shut up. I don't want to hear that. Uh, now, I'm not against that. But stop your Christianese sometimes, right? Anyway. Saul says, put this on. And David begins to put on natural weapons, natural protection. 
What does David know? Supernatural weapons and supernatural protection. And he takes a step. He goes, this is not how God's going to win. I can't go to battle with your identity, Saul, and I surely don't want to go with your identity. This is where I want you to go, and this is the last point I want to say, is that the greatest battle that you're going to face is not Goliath's. The Goliath that we often preach about. That Goliath that you're going to face between you and that Goliath is going to be this Goliath of your image and your identity in Christ. Because what David was very secure in was his walk with God. And it didn't matter if he was in the presence of kings and leaders. They could not talk him out or deconstruct his life. What you have right here is a picture of today's world. And you've got powers and principalities and government authority like Saul who are doing whatever they can to pull down the God life out of you and pull it out of you to get you to buckle and to get you to bow. And there will be a day when you will fill out some paperwork, maybe in a job to come. And they're going to say, what church do you go to? There's going to be a score, guys. It's happening all over the world now. It's a social score. The reality is, there's how many believe that sometimes you're being followed? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not at all. I just know I have said things and all of a sudden popping up on my Instagram. We were watching the royal whatever the other day, the coronation, and all of a sudden what pops out is um, tuxedos. <laughs> what are you all doing up here? I'm not bowing down to you, you uncircumcised Philistines over there. Oh, you can come on. Come on. Come on down here. We're talking about royal this and royal that, and all of a sudden, best location to buy royal dresses and tuxedos. What are you talking about? But guys, it's happening. Where you're going to be in a place that people are going to come, and you're going to be challenged. Do I run? Do I hide? Or do I compromise? So David recognizes this is all compromise. He goes, I'm not going to go out and fight Goliath in your identity or in your name or in your power or in your way or in your ideas, your philosophy, your theory, your doctrine, Saul. I know what this Bible says. This is what David was basically saying. I know what this Bible says. I know God. And the same God who delivered me from the lion and the bear is going to deliver me from this Goliath. And he is going to gain and get the victory. David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. This book and this name Jesus and this person Jesus has been tested. The church of the living God has been tested. What you cannot allow is a Saul and whoever that may be to talk your faith out of you. They are nothing in comparison to the power of the Spirit of God, the life of God. David said, he took them off. I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off, and he took his stick and his little smooth stones from the brook, put them in his bag, 
and he approached the Philistines. Number one, I'm not going to go any further because these guys are telling me I have to leave. And I know who sent you up here, Pastor Daniel. Daniel did. Put these down. You're going to have to face your haters. You're going to have haters. Between you and your Goliath. See, a lot of people want the God thing. They want the God goal. They want the God promise. They want the God company. They want the God finances. They they want the God life. Listen, you're going to have to go through some hate. And they hated David. Number two, you're going to have to know what you believe. David said, I'm going to tell you what I believe. I've watched God work in my life. When David talks about him tending and taking care of the sheep and how God delivered him, what he's going through is everything that God has put within him. He knew how to answer. He knew how to give. Peter talks about knowing how to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. Number three, you're going to have to know who you are. I was told if I wanted to be in the ministry, this is the process, this is the plan, and something in me says, no, this is somebody else's armor, and I took it off. What do you have to take off today, appropriately? What do you have to take off today that you have allowed to come into your ear, your eyes, your heart, that somebody has spoken over you something? Take that thing off that said you're not able You can't do it. You're just a little boy. You're just a little piece of delivery package. And you're going to go take this. You're going to change the world. Oh, yeah, right. Here's the fourth thing. You're going to have to say no. And David taking that off. One of the things that you have to learn as a leader is that you can't be a people pleaser. You can't please people. Paul says it like this. If I live to please people, I'm no longer a preacher of the gospel. I'm no longer a servant of Christ. For if I change or alter the gospel to get people to like Jesus, I am no longer fulfilling the mission and the call of God. Guys, the more and more we're going to see in our world, churches are going to still be around. It's just going to change what kind of churches are going to be around. And the goal of most churches will be to give you what you want and what will keep you in the church and keep you engaged with your finances and we will tell you whatever you want to hear sing whatever you want us to sing to make you happy and if I'm going to fulfill the call of God in my life I've got to know what to say no to and we've got to live right David said I cannot go I have not tested this David took it off watch this Ephesians 6 13 Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist. Where? Resist where? In the evil day. Resist in the evil day. Resist. That means saying no to temptation. No to sin. No to compromise. And then lastly, because I don't want to wear out these guys up here. Number five, you're going to have to give your all. What did David do? As he took his stick and he took his stones and his sling... He approached the Philistine. He approached, he walked the talk. Taking that step meant I'm letting go of my life. You cannot say you're going to heaven when you're holding on to this world. 
You cannot say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior when you have not given Him your all. Do we sin? Yes. Do we fall? Yes. Does the righteous man make mistakes? The Bible says yes, seven times. But he lets go and he says, God, I don't want anything in my hands that will keep me away from you. Jesus said, when I come back and I knock on the door of your heart, be the one who opens the door quickly. You don't want to be in a position where Jesus comes and knocks at your door and you're like, I'll be there in a minute. I'm getting rid of some things. Delete, 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 delete. Jesus said, when I come and I knock on your door, open the door, which means be ready with everything. In other words, you have nothing to take with you. His heads are bad, eyes are closed today. How many are ready to go all in with Christ? No matter what Goliath, no matter what Saul you have to face, how many are going to stand and give their all to the Word of God, to the values of God, to the only way that God said you're saved, and that is through the name of Jesus. If you're going all in, would you just stand to your feet all over this place today? Only those that are going all in. Don't stand if you're not going all in. Don't go, oh, they're standing. I will go with you. (laughs) No, no, we're going to do reverse altar call here today. It doesn't mean turn to the person sitting down and going, why aren't you giving your all? just may mean some people are thinking about it, and that's the way it ought to be. But if you're standing here today, you know what you're doing? You're doing what David said. I'm taking off the natural, and I'm putting on the supernatural. I'm going to trust the God who has been with me since the day I was born. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to trust the God who has delivered me from the lion, from the bear, because I have tested God, and he is true. Maybe you got a Goliath. Maybe you got a battle. Maybe you got a problem. And I'll be honest with you, some of us and all of us do. But greater is he who's in you than he who is in this world. And he will deliver you. Can we just extend our hands to heaven if you're comfortable? No one is being forced to do anything here today. But Father, as we lift our hands, we thank you that you're the God who delivers us. Come on, just thank him right now. You're the God who has been with me. You're the God who will protect me. You're the God who has delivered me from every attack, every snare, every trap of the fowler. And Lord, I thank you that that which you have begun in Philippians chapter 1, you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, nothing shall thwart or stop the plan of God over me or over my family. And as for me and my house we will serve the lord for the lord is the living god lord i thank you that you are living and lord i thank you that you are giving us eyes to see what needs to come off of our life today what things we've put our trust in lord we renounce the things of this world the toys of this world the instruments of this world lord I trust in the supernatural power of God. And if you're here today and you'd say, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never said yes to Jesus. 
Pastor Joe, I'm not all in. In fact, I walked in here not even 10% in. I came here because I thought this was an Ikea. I thought this was, thought this was Billy Bob. But I know today God did not have me here in vain. God ordered this message for me. And I don't want to run any longer from God. I'm tired of the stain. I'm tired of the sin. I'm tired of the shame. I want it off my life. Only Christ can take that. And if you're here today, I'm going to ask for every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Joe, I need what you just said. I need prayer for that. Today, I'm going to give my all to God. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand all over this place? If you're here today, you're here today. I'm looking at him. There's a lot of hands going up. Beautiful, beautiful. No condemnation for those who trust in Jesus. No shame for those who trust in Jesus. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, you came to take my sin away. You died for me to take away my shame, my embarrassment. I have failed. I have fallen and I confess I'm a sinner. I need saving. Forgive me now, Jesus. I give you my all. I take off this world off of my heart, off of my mind, and I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, everyone that believes said, come on, let's thank God for his mercy today.